things remain. This is episode four. Shut your eyes when you're looking at me. Um, thanks for coming back. Uh, I know I don't have the intro, outro music yet. I'm still working on that. I'm going to get, I think I found a song that I want to use for that. I'm just going to ask permission. It's, it's from a very dear friend of mine. Actually, when I was in a band many moons ago, decades ago, uh, this was one of the songs that uh, the guitarist had written, and we all had a little bit of input into creating it, and I was not there for the master recording, but... It won't be any kind of issue for him to, to say it's okay. And also, in all uh, transparency, which I like to do, trending, is that I don't know how yet to record what I want, edit it, be able to separate it as a track, put it before, put it after, and then fade in, fade out. All that stuff, I've learned bits and pieces here and there. Um, and I'm making incremental improvements uh, as we go along, as I go along, either or. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited when that when that comes to fruition. Once I get it, it'll be a normal thing uh, and part of it. Uh, music. Uh, I mean, I love music. And it's got to be a little better than just me just, like, ramming it in there. Just, hey, here we are again. Uh, but thanks anyway. Um, what we've been listening to today today was a chill mix on Spotify kind of day it's a whole bunch of different things uh, Blind Pilot, uh, Mumford and Sons came up on there, Bon Iver Dispatch, Slightly Stupid Kid Cudi was in there Sublime with Rome, they're always nice uh, Joe Purdy's Can't Get It Right Today, love that one uh, I'll Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie uh, heard Dirty Paws by Of Monsters and Men. Uh, haven't really heard much other than the popular one, which was, uh, well, that escapes me right now, but I love the crap out of it. It's a duet, almost. Uh, and then something that, I don't know if it was because of how Spotify curated, but the song called Deathbed Coffee for Your Head by Paufu. Pofu, I don't know which way that goes, P-O-W-F-U. Man, that's a great song. Uh, that was a great, great find. It really, really puts me in a good place when I hear that. But a lot of good stuff on there. A little Mac Miller, Jack Johnson was on there too. Uh, some MGMT, which I didn't, I don't know if it's new or old, but it's not off of the one album that really put them on the charts, made them so crazy. Um heard and popular. It was a great album. Um, but yeah, I mean, working away uh, today, uh, I came up with something that has interested me uh, for some time now. It was years and years back that I came upon a video talking about something called the Double Slit 
experiment. Now, not a scientist, okay? Saying that I'm not a scientist, I'm not super educated, I'm not going to be presenting this in some kind of crazy, you have to fact check me, Google way, or like you said that wrong, you described that wrong. Um, it's not how I learn stuff, and, and I also, when I convey things, it's by what I've watched, what I've observed, what I've picked up, and how I've interpreted it in my mind, and then I communicate it in a way that I understood it. Um, and if you want, please look it up. There's, there's the original double slit, um, and then there, there was something where after they found out about what was going on, they did an observation of it, and that's kind of what this is going to morph into. But in the way um, that I saw it, I was on a back porch watching YouTube. This video comes up, and it was kind of a cartooned video explaining it that the electrons, you know, itsy-bitsy little electrons, they're in both a particle and wave form uh, simultaneously at the same time. And when, let's say, just for this example, uh, you know, they're, li they're little electron balls being fired one at a time at a board, and in that board there's a slit, and when it goes through it, there's a backdrop to catch it. it they form a certain pattern on the backdrop. Every time it goes into a certain uh, pattern on the back, without fail. Same pattern however many times that they fire it and it can be measured as the particle itself or by the way its wave goes through the slit and makes an imprint on the backdrop. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. I think again, don't quote me. It was discovered, the experiment was initially done and recorded in the 1800s. So being able to do something like that so early on, I mean, they didn't have iPads, I get it. Uh, they had time on their hands and, you know, they had to get creative. Uh, so they figured out, you know, that and it went on to help certain physics and quantum mechanics and stuff like that. Again, not getting into that, I don't know enough about it uh, to feel comfortable letting you know anything about it. I don't want you to repeat that to anybody and say, well, I heard it from this guy on a podcast, and then people just want to, well, I don't know. I always say publicity, bad or good, is good. Um, but, so, I started watching it, and then, I guess there was, I don't know what happened, but they decided to put miniature cameras. I don't know. They put a camera to be able to observe this at that, you know, molecular level. And when they went to see the process of it going through the slit and making the pattern, the pattern changed. Now this is, they're 
infinitesimally small. And when they were watched or observed, they acted differently. Although that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and this was, I mean, oh gosh, I don't know if it was five, seven years, something like that, but it stuck in my head. I saw it, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, that even at that such a small level of, of the things, part of the things that make up everything that is around us, even when they are observed, they act differently. Now, I don't know specifically, I haven't really looked into it, if they ever came up with some kind of definitive explanation for that. Not that I'm aware of. There could be. Uh, it's fine to let me know, but from what I knew at the time of discovering it and up until now, this is the way that started evolving in my head or the way that I liked to think about it. The next time I think I brought it up to somebody or somebody had mentioned it and I forgot that I'd even watched it, he was... It was this guy, he was talking to another person, I was in line for something, and I was like, oh man, and isn't that crazy that when it's observed, like, something else happens, and he said, well, more than likely it's something to do with photosensitivity, where because there is some level of light emitting from the camera lens that it had an effect on the electron, and so the electron went in a different way. I was like, okay, that's a really, that's a cool take on it. Um, Alright, I'll let the, that play in my head. Um, and the next one, and this wasn't, this wasn't too far long ago. I don't know where I caught the snippet. It was somewhere online. Um, and somebody came up with an idea and again, I'm going to do a broad general sense is that if you think about computers and graphics rendering, the further away you are, the easier it is to see the detail and how beautiful everything looks. But if you get closer to it because of the memory and GPU and the computing power, that if you get closer and closer to something, it's harder and harder to make it seem as real as it was from far away, if that makes any... I'm sorry if I'm not doing a good job explaining that, but the closer you get and the, the more you observe it at a finer point, the harder it is for the computer to be able to render it in such high fidelity. So their theory about that was, the correlation was, that because we are inside a computer program and electrons, protons, quarks, whatever, at that small level, atomic level, that the computer that runs our simulation doesn't have enough power memory to be able to render the movement of the electron the way it was programmed to at that close of a level of observation. Like, that was interesting. Um, I'm not going to get into, 
you know, simulation theory or the Matrix. I think it'd be cool if, you know, at some point if there was an interaction, you know, a later on Q&A or some kind of uh, discussion, what would be your idea without, like, your idea without using the word simulation or matrix of what existence is to you. Um, I mean that in a very broad sense. You know, the, the Rene Descartes uh, idea of I think, therefore I am, like, I speak, then I know my existence is happening right now. In what construct? No idea. But, I don't know. Cool little thing to talk to uh, somebody about. I've, I've gotten lost in conversations with uh, other people about that, and, you know, in, in my own thought, it's fun to play around with, you know. Um... But what that got me into and where, you know, I took what I got from it and where it came out in application as I was going on in life um, was the way I react when I'm doing a task or something that I know that I'm confident in doing and somehow my ability to do that task alters when I know I'm being observed. Um, and it go it it is it is gone without fail. Something that I know for a hundred percent fact that I am confident in doing that I've done over and over again, you know, started off slow with the foundation, rudiments of it, um, and then it became muscle memory and it was something that I could do and I knew I could do just over time. Uh, repeating that process over and over, and then suddenly there was an observer and something changed. I used that to, uh, I think the first time I used it was, so I was, uh, there was an order for somebody that needed to be um, boxed up, and it was just some shirts that I had to fold, and they wa they were watching me do it, and it was like I'd never folded a shirt in my entire life. And that's how I, I told it, like, very brief synopsis, probably even thinner than what I just said here. And I said, yeah, you know, that's, maybe that's what's happening, is that all the little electrons in me are being observed right now, and they need to act in a different order. Um, they, I, don't, I don't think they cared as much about my example as I did I was just like oh cool way to apply what you've learned pat on the back um, they didn't care it's fine um, but as I thought about that I had, I've had some conversations throughout the week or past couple of weeks since the last time I reported um, and they kind of coincided with it to me I could draw connections, and I thought it was very interesting that, you know, let's say in this forum right here, right now, as I do this, and I've been 
progressing with it, listening back, and you know, as I was setting up to publish the first three episodes, there was a portion of that process where it says, is there any explicit material? And it's one of the first times that very confidently I was like, no. And, you know, published it, whatever, wasn't thinking about it. And I had a friend call and talk and, you, you know, just asking about life and just wanted to talk and catch up and knew about the podcast being published and he wanted to talk about that. And I brought that up. Um, said, hey, do you know, very curious that I don't swear, I don't use profanity at all during the podcasting. And he laughed because I'm profane. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not here to pretend that I'm, I'm anything that I'm not. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a saint. In conversation with other people, uh, I've got, I mean, I'm, I love the laugh. I like jokes. Uh, I love intelligence. When creating a joke or making it, you know, I love witticism. I do like, I like dark humor. Um, and I'm not afraid to use any and all or make up new uh, profanity. It's just what I, it's just, it's what I do. That's how I am, okay? It's just how I am. But if that's how I am, and I can say that that's how I am, how come that's not what I'm doing right now? And he laughed, and he's like, well, it's because you're not interacting with anybody else. He's like, what? He's like, you're talking to yourself. It's like, when you talk to yourself, why would you need to swear? Like, there's no, there's no need to emphasize anything, make a point, or mimic who you're with. It's like, wow. Is he right? I had to. I mean, I, I sat there and thought. It was like, then I was thinking about my thinking to myself. You know that inner dialogue. Um, those dangerous thoughts. Never once in my own head am I like, and then I was walking to the effing store, and then I picked up some effing apples. I don't do that. Um, and I thought that was that was kind of cool, and it almost made me think that that was part of, if not some kind of parallel avenue to the double slit or the observation of particles and you know I'm a combination of all those particles I'm part of that matter of, of creation and if I'm not being observed I act in my natural state I don't know I say it like a question because I don't know but it's cool to think about um, and then on top of that I do, every now and again, I am fortunate enough to be asked to speak um, in a public setting in front of people. Um, I just did an engagement where it was about 150 people. It was the most people I've ever spoken in front of um, that I know of in my entire life. Uh, I mean, when I was younger, I was in band. I was a percussionist, loosely a percussionist, um, and had to perform for the school, which was a larger number. 
but I was I was within a group a congr- I was I was saved by the group and not I never I don't think I ever had a solo or anything like that so I never had to showcase my flaws individually or my lack of practicing or commitment <laughs> when I was younger um, definitely not my focus when I was in grade school or middle school or high school or anything like that um, I love well my real focus on you know learning knowing that I knew nothing didn't come till later on that's okay um, childhood is for discovery and you know the mistakes heck adulthood is good for the mistakes too if you show me somebody that has, has never made a mistake um, you will be introducing me to somebody that has never learned anything that's the way I look at it so man do I make mistakes so I guess I learn I learn but so I was thinking about that and a problem that I introspectively had become aware of over the years and was able to articulate was I've got this problem where I don't mind speaking if it's on a subject that I know or if it's a if it's a an occasion where I'm privy to it like okay I've got this somebody wants me to speak here or I've got to give this presentation or anything of that sort and I have time to prepare so on and so forth I'm okay with that and when I say that that's me saying that even without words coming out of my mouth in my mind I go oh I'm okay with this I can't wait to do this especially if I start looking into it maybe there's a joke I can make Maybe there's something that I find interesting that I can tie into my life. And maybe perhaps somebody else can see something that I didn't after I talked about it. And then we can talk about what they saw. And I can find that interesting and that can intertwine as well. So to me, it's it's super fascinating. It's something I really enjoy. And I, I know that and I feel that. Here's where my issue comes in. I physically contradict that thought. What I mean by that is my body, heart starts thumping, my hands shake. Uh, well, my whole body shakes, but I talk with my hands, so it's, it's visible and observable that my hands are shaking. And it, it's, you know, to anybody else, it's just like, oh, that person is nervous and not confident. Well, at least that's what I think. I don't know, and that's that's wrong of me to be able to think, but okay, that's me thinking that. That's what other people are thinking. And I don't, I've never liked that. And it's, it's put me off from certain things. It's also made me uh, pick up crutches uh, to get over that, which ended up in the long run um, being a debilitation more than a help uh, and I no longer do that and it's part of, it's part of this too is that you know do it just do it and do it do it and do it and do it who knows you know what's going to come of it and that's not the goal that I've spoke about the goal was doing uh, the result is whatever it's going to be I have no idea what that is it's great um, so I've already gotten 
already gotten through the worst part, uh, which is awesome. But still yet, that happens. And it's frustrating to me. Super frustrating. Like, why in my mind can I say, hey, I'm looking forward to doing this. This is going to be great. And then my body, moments before, is just like, eh, we don't like this. Now, is it because I'm being observed? Now, I get a little bit of that butterfly before I do this. And it's only because I'm thinking somebody's listening. But still, as it goes on, I get more comfortable doing it. But in a public setting where I can see that people are seeing me, it still happens. Even though, even now, as, as small of improvements that I've made with this, or steps, accomplishments, percentages of, you know, recordings or talking in front of people, and still having complete confidence in my ability to speak on the matter at hand, my body still acts that way. And so without knowing what I was going to talk about with the double slit and the observation of the particles, or the electrons as particles and waves, and how they act differently, I brought that up to somebody. And I said, you know, isn't that, isn't that weird? You know, I told the doctor once, and it was one of the first doctors, was like, you need Prozac or uh, some other kind of pill um, that uh, made me feel like I was in a shell living. I may have, for the first time ever, explained it in the proper way that they were like, hey, Maybe you just need this. This is called, you know, it's a beta blocker, also kind of like a blood pressure medicine, and it will help with something like that, your general anxiety. I was like, cool. Never, never heard of that or, you know, had anybody go that route. So I was excited to try it out. Seemed to, to a degree, help uh, for a while. I did take it. Um, I, I no longer do, and that's fine. Um, there were still situations while I was on it. I don't, you know, there's no cure-all, in my opinion, for me and those kind of things. But I've really tried to embrace nowadays is just try to and see what happens. Because I've done enough in my life that I can't believe I've done, and that I'm remorseful for, or, you know, I've created wreckage over that didn't have a positive result. And if you if you heard what they were before I had done them, any normal, sane human being would be like, yeah, yeah, that's a terrible idea, don't do that. Um, and I wasn't afraid to do those things. So things like, you know, addressing people in public or starting a random podcast shouldn't bear any kind of dark fruit. So why not why not do it? what's what's gonna happen? Somebody's gonna say something nasty at a keyboard. Uh that will never be the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Um those kind of things have already happened. So uh, I brought it up, said, hey, you know, they know I have the speaking engagements. I was like, you know, this still happens. I still 
have the confidence in doing this, but my body reacts in this sort of way. And again, like, to me, this is a complete mystery. Like, why, why does this happen? Uh, this has been happening forever. Ah, am I just some kind of coward, um, weak-willed, some, you know, the negative thoughts. Again, you know, thoughts have consequences. Actions have possibilities. And so I asked, and very quickly, their, their next sentence was like, oh, I know what that is. Or I have an idea that, you know, could shed some light on that. I'm like, really? They themselves had gone through some kind of hypnosis, but they that wasn't their focal point or what they were trying um, to convey to me. They said, but coupled with that, there was a book that I read that talked about um, events that happened that create trauma that you may not be aware of, but they influenced some kind of part of your life and subconsciously you're reacting to that when that event comes up. It's like, oh, okay. And I didn't really deep dive in my head to what it could have been. I mean, uh, early observation of humanity and, you know, school and other people, you know, I was, you know, any negative interaction with somebody, even as a kid, just getting like pushed in on the playground or something, stuff like that, like that bothered me or having to talk in front of people. I think I cared less when I was younger talking in front of people because um, I didn't have any, I didn't have any preconceived notions of what I was doing or expectations of what I should sound like or what's happened. I don't know. Again, I didn't really, really think about it any deeper than, okay, so my body thinks something's going on that may have happened where I was ridiculed during a public setting where I was supposed to be addressing people that it thinks every time that it's happening again. So, what I did through, and that's, that's a cool way to where observation this time was a benefit in change behavior in a positive and very graspable way. I could quantify what that meant and apply it to where I could be conscious of it and then be okay with it. So when I talked in front of the 150 people, I was fine up until about five to 10 minutes before. I was doing my normal rocking cadence. My heart was going. My head was still, you know, trying to like, what's my first self-deprecating joke gonna be? Um, where am I gonna, where's my launch off from that to go, you know? Almost the same thing as the whole podcast thing, but uh, you know, I've got a vision board that I, I try to keep on track with for that. Um, and then, almost immediately, once I had started, that dissipated it more quickly than normal. And I thought about that, too, was 
whatever happened before is not happening now. And it gave me it gave me a little bit of peace in just the amount that I needed to continue with the step I was already going to do. Now, I was already going to do it, and I have to remind myself not to be too critical or hard on myself in those situations because it's a, trying something new or it's it's a, it's progress. You should never be mad at the progress. Um, and I'm not mad per se when I don't try something, but more often than not now, I'd rather say, yeah, I tried it. It wasn't for me. Or, ooh, I can change something, and then I can I can do it again. I've already done the initial, so why not go ahead and, and, and try some more? Maybe in a different way with something else. So many possibilities in action, you know what I mean? So, that went all right, that, that whole engagement. Um, by the end of it, I mean, phew. When I speak like that, too, there is almost like a blurring that happens to the crowd. I know instinctively that, you know, there's certain, certain rules when there are other people observing you to make sure that you're interacting with them, or it's like active listening, but... I, you, you look to the left, you say some things, then you look center, you say some things, then you look right, say something, and then repeat. You're like an, I'm like an oscillating fan, right? Fan doesn't say anything except, you know, do you want me to mess up your documents or something? That's a Mitch Hedberg joke. I can't take credit for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, there was that, but it almost seems like everybody kind of blurs. And I couldn't tell you afterward, even I'm, I'm finding out too, because I'm not observing my episodes after. I'm only observing as I create. So I don't really have huh, an impressionable memory to be able to recall specifics as much as somebody that is observing the recording and not the recorded, maybe it's the other way around, the recorded final product than the process, which I do. I wholeheartedly believe there's a certain part of your brain that, you know, and an explanation for that. Um, and it's fine. My father used to talk about it because he did project management and had to talk to different companies about different processes that they were implementing, whatever. And he said he, after a while when he was doing those presentations, it almost like he kind of stepped back from himself as it was going on and he was observing himself from above watching himself give it. And he really didn't re-enter until it was over. And I've had a, I've had a feeling of that before. Um, and I don't could go into the same vein as like the zone kind of thing um, again with that muscle memory you know who knows um, but to me I, it's the fascination and the, the whole idea that as a whole human with what I believe 
is my place, my reality. My reality, I can hear myself. This is my reality. This is happening right now. That on that small little level of all those trillions of things that make me up, they react in the same way I react when I'm being observed. That's it's it's cool. It's it's mind blowing. It's cool. Um, but you know, how's that affecting me? I did. I've been trying to, again, see if that can be improved on, or if that is just something that is instinctually, or just like built into me, that will forever be that way. Who knows? Who knows? Again, as time goes on, what's going to be happening? I mean, I even had a. I mean, I had that broad idea too that you know they say integrity is not what you do when you are being observed but what you do when no one is watching kind of thing and that can take on a whole other perspective of it and I even started I've I mean I've used the quote before and usually in some kind of management um, employee interaction but I didn't think of it in a broad stroke of alright what am I doing right now that I'm alone and then if somebody else comes along what am I doing now and I mean there's I've read some books about you know how if there are other people involved you usually conform to their uh, behaviors or you start showing interest in their interests and that's just a human thing to be able to get along and uh, function and thrive in the environment you're in in a general sense again that can go way deeper on another path um, but then I started you know can I observe myself not being observed you know and then you go into the whole existential thing and and where that leads to um, but it's a cool cool little thing that I discovered years and years and years ago that still today is applicable or it pops up and I I can apply it to something that's happening now and then that makes me think in a grander scale. What else have I already learned that's going to come back later on in, in a positive way? What am I doing right now that who knows when is going to be observed, realized, and change the course of, of my actions at that point? That's cool stuff. What experiment have I already conducted that's going to have great results later on in my life? How exciting. Um, nothing to read, uh, really, this time. Uh, I wanted more to discuss, you know, the evolution of that through my experience, because... Again, no guru, 
no soothsayer, no accredited anything. Um, I just have, this is just my experiences through the life I've lived, and such a simple, small thing, a video about a, a theory, or it's not really a theory anymore, it's, it's proven, um, experiment, and how that developed in my life throughout the years, and how many possibilities of that are certainly endless. It's because I was, I mean, I was, possibilities keeps coming up too, but the, the observation thing, because I was, again, thinking about that, and I had already said it, and it's something that I talked about with someone earlier in the week, and, and they asked me, and this is crazy, again, it's all through observation, like, I think, I'm just doing this, who knows what's going to happen, and then somebody said, hey, you know, I listen to your podcast, okay. Their next question was like a real question, and it, it made me think, and I didn't think I'd ever be asked that question, and it was about action, what, what you know, what was the decision to, to take the action? And my response was a less refined, and I had a chance to refine it, and I'll commit it to use, was that, you know, I was tired of thinking about all the things that prevent me from doing something different or that I like or that could go somewhere. Like, think, think, think. I can't think anything into creation. I was like, but action. Action can make things happen. Am I scared of those actions, especially if somebody's observing, heck yeah, yeah I am, but I've already, I've already seen results, I don't like doing things where there may be a promise to, or that, you know, this, this result is going to happen, and then I do something, and then, and then it was found out, no, that is not what happens at all, well then, I'll pivot, I'll do something different. I'll do something else because there was there was nothing behind the promise. Now this for me personally, I said I'm going to do things to do and make good habits and see if anything comes of it. And sometimes even when I drum, when I practice drumming, they always there's this plateau, this lull where you can get discouraged. You've been doing the same things over and over again. And it feels like it was for nothing and, and no result had come of it. And then there's that weird, pivotal, turning point, linchpin moment where you can recognize that you have made progress. And that's cool. And usually I've only seen that through myself with no observation. Well, I've been trying and doing this and already just on the smallest of levels, smallest of levels, you know, there's no red carpet. I'm not looking for a red carpet, but I've had interactions with people that already, even me, like, oh man, I don't have an intro or an outro. 
Oh, what am I going to talk about? How about this double slit thing that I can barely explain? Um, and let me just haphazardly, you know, post this. And I've had some people reach out and say, wow, like, what made you want to do that? How did you do that? How did you have the courage to do that? Courage? It's just, oh, hit record. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it in, in any kind of way. That's exactly what happened. I hit record. I bought, I bought some silly stuff that's nothing. You know, just, I would like someday to be able to expand on what I have to do, the things that I have. Uh, but I guess I would, well, the evolution of that maybe, who knows, it's just what I've seen so far, so early on, just a small little thing is that, I guess through the observation of me doing this, has made me want to take that that action again the next day. So here we are doing that. So that brought me to uh, a quote, you can observe a lot by watching Yogi Berra. He was, uh, he was great for a certain kind of oxymoronica kind of uh, sayings. There's a book by that title. I don't know who the author is. I apologize to both the author and anybody listening, but you should check it out. It's got some really great stuff in it. I don't, off the top of my head, recall too terribly much, but I don't feel guilty about that because uh, just, it's like my mother always said when I asked about a word, she said, go look it up because it was that action of doing that made me remember what it was and I'm nobody's mother and I am shrouding my unpreparedness or lack of detail with, you know, go out there and discover something. You know, that might tie into something I said before. Uh, so, I don't know what you see when you look at me. I know how I feel, but my reflection flinches and my mind laughs at all the possibilities. So I close my eyes, think less hard, and what comes next? I breathe and open my eyes. Go be observed. Go observe somebody. See what you're like when when both are happening. Change your outlook on what it is when that's happening. Sometimes it's great to be seen. Sometimes I don't want to be seen at all. Thanks for listening. And as always, have yourself a day. This has been Heavier Things Remain.